0: guest host for the analysis.news. Last November 19th, U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo visited Israel and the occupied territories, where he made an unexpected announcement that immensely pleased his host, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Pompeo said, quote, the United States strongly opposes the global discriminatory boycott, divestment, and sanctions (BDS) campaign and practices that facilitated, such as discriminatory labeling and the publication of databases and companies that operate in Israel or Israeli-controlled areas. As we have made clear, anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism. The United States is, therefore, committed to countering the global BDS campaign as a manifestation of anti-Semitism." End quote. Pompeo's policy statement went on to specify that the State Department would identify organizations that support the BDS campaign and to make sure that these do not receive any U.S. government funds. The move was condemned by many groups, including Human Rights Watch, which issued a statement that said that Pompeo's move actually undermines the common fight against the scourge of antisemitism. To discuss this latest development in the BDS campaign and the fight over what constitutes antisemitism, I'm joined today from Heidelberg, Germany, by Shir Hever. Shir is the author of the book The Privatization of Israeli Security, which was published by Pluto Press in 2017. Also he is a board member of the German organization Jewish Voice for a Just Peace in the Middle East. Thanks for joining me today, Shir. Thanks, Greg. So it seems like uh, Pompeo's announcement, uh, which is probably one of his last policy actions before leaving office, was yet another blow against BDS. Now, already about a year and a half ago, the U.S. Congress passed a bipartisan resolution that condemned BDS as a movement that, quote, promotes principles of collective guilt, mass punishment, and group isolation, which are destructive of prospects for progress towards peace, end quote. Now, what does this new State Department policy that Pompeo announced with regard to BDS mean for the movement? What effect, if any, do you think it will have? And how do you see the state of BDS over the past year or so?
1: Well, um, I think the best way to look at the state of BDS is to look at what's happening in Israel and how uh, the Israelis are responding to to BDS and how much they they care about it. Um, If somebody believes this uh, hype as if BDS is trying to attack the Israeli economy or to damage the Israeli economy in some way, then they would say, oh, BDS has been very successful this year uh, because the Israeli economy is is in shambles. Uh, There is very, very high unemployment. And uh, many companies are on the verge of bankruptcy. Many small companies have already gone bankrupt. Um, And and the government is unable to pass a budget uh, which uh, creates a paralysis in all of the public services. But this is not because of BDS. This is because of the the COVID-19 crisis. This is um, because of the lockdown. And also because uh, of the political machinations of uh, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, who tries to leave himself the option to go to elections yet again. So he refuses to allow any kind of b- budget to pass. Uh, and because all of this uh, damage to the Israeli economy is happening without anything to do with BDS, then, then BDS is not high on people's minds. And, and the whole point of BDS is to uh, make people aware, especially to make Israelis aware that there is an occupation going on, there is apartheid, there are millions of people living without any rights under the Israeli control. And they're just not making it to the news anymore. So I would say 2020 was a bad year for for BDS by far. But I think towards the end we're starting to see a change. Uh, and here I, I think that I have to thank the Trump administration uh, for for making this uh, horrible uh, statement against BDS um, because it really proves that the campaign, the movement uh, to try to stop the BDS movement, uh, or the the, the efforts by, by right-wing leaders uh, in Israel, but also among countries that are allied with Israel, first and foremost, the United States, is a campaign which is not motivated by uh, concern for, for the human rights of Israelis, quite the opposite. It's a campaign motivated by hate and racism. And Trump, uh, who himself has made frequent and numerous anti-Semitic comments and who is supported by some of the most dangerous white supremacist and, and anti-Semitic actors in the United States, um, is now openly saying, yeah, well, part of this camp is also the pro-Israeli camp. Uh, and um, it it embarrasses the more liberal leaders of the world who are automatically inclined to support Israel and to oppose BDS because... Um, they they often make this mistake of, of confusing the state of Israel with the Jewish people, and they think that the, the Israeli government has some kind of right to speak on behalf of Jewish people around the world because uh, uh, Israel calls itself uh, uh, the Jewish state. Um, but uh, this... Uh, moved by by Trump, I think now says, well, uh, n- now puts it very clear. Those who believe that the election in the United States have been somehow stolen by the Democrats. And uh, those who believe in these conspiracy theories are also the ones who believe that BDS uh, is anti-Semitic and that anti-Zionism is a form of anti-Semitism. And, and these claims are all equally preposterous.
0: Hmm. Now, um, how do you think that Pompeo's anti-BDS policy compared to uh, those of governments in Europe and particularly in Germany, France, and the UK, uh, and how they are dealing with this issue?
1: Well, one, one thing in common, uh, very unfortunately, is this conflation between anti-Zionism and anti-Semitism, which is nothing short of, of you know um, dismissing the horrors of anti-Semitism and the Holocaust. It's, it's it's simply historical uh, forgetfulness and, and lack of, of basic knowledge to know that most of the Jews that were murdered by the Nazis in the Holocaust were anti-Zionist. Uh, and today, most of the anti-Zionists who live in the world are Jews. And this idea that this is a form of anti-Semitism is in fact to say, well, you know, all the being Jewish and being Zionist is almost the same because... Uh, Jewishness is is an issue of identity, Zionism is an issue of ideology, but somehow here's a group of people who have to all belong to the same ideology. Now, if I would say all Muslims have to be supportive of the Islamic State, if I would say uh, all Christians have to vote for Trump or whatever, then then people would say, well, this is a hateful statement. You're making a a, a racist generalization, which, which is not fair. Uh, people have a right to more than one opinion. And I do agree that Jews have a right to be Zionists. And there are many forms of, of Zionism. Uh, I, I, I don't even call myself anti-Zionist, because I think there are forms of Zionism that I can live with and I can expe- ex- accept that are not racist, that are very democratic and, and uh, progressive. Sadly, these forms of Zionism are right now in the minority of the of the very... A wide variety of of Zionist movements. The the most, uh, or or the mainstream Zionism has been very associated with the Israeli government's policies of occupation and apartheid. Uh, but it didn't have to be so. Uh, and a lot of Jews are opposing uh, this idea that Judaism has something to do with Zionism, or they oppose the idea that Zionism is the only option for Jews. Many of them do it for religious reasons. I, I think the biggest anti-Zionist group in the world are ultra-Orthodox Jews that say um, that the state of Israel, because it violates human rights and international law, proves itself to be not the real Jewish state. It it proves the point that the state of Israel does not represent Jewish values. And so that's why they, they call themselves anti-Zionist. Um, and unfortunately the right wing, not just in the United States, your question was also about Europe, uh, in France, in Germany, in Britain, the right wing uh, is is actually much more aware of what Zionism means than the left. Uh, they, are in, they fully understand that the meaning of Zionism for Jews in Europe is a movement that calls on to leave their homes, right? The, I'm living in Germany, and german zionists would say wouldn't it be better if you go somewhere else to israel to palestine uh, and uh, i don't want to leave uh, but uh, this kind of of um, idea that that maybe the jews should leave uh, is is very popular among the right wing for reasons that that i cannot call another any other word than anti-semitism they want the jews to leave uh, but they're not called anti-Semites if they say, oh, but we support the state of Israel. Uh, I think it's, it's horrifying to remember that uh, Adolf Eichmann, the, the German Nazi that was put on trial in Jerusalem uh, for his crime uh, during the Holocaust, um, actually made that point as part of his defense in the trial. He said, what do you want from me? I was deporting Jews to Palestine. That's what the Zionist movement wants. I'm just yet another Zionist. Uh, it didn't help his case in the trial. He was executed, uh, but but uh, uh, it seems that a lot of people today don't remember that trial and don't remember uh, uh, this this sort of um, uh, um, terminology of how how people uh, exploit uh, the ideas of of anti-Zionism and anti-Jew uh, and, and and anti-Semitism in a way that uh, um, manipulates the discourse and and actually conceals their their racist intentions to get rid of Jews. Um, But putting putting that aside, there's also another development. And in that development, we see a very sharp uh, difference between what's happening in the United States and what's happening in Europe. Because specifically this year, uh, European courts have decided again and again to respect the right of people to uh, to, to support and to uh, promote BDS, the, the movement for boycott, divestment, and sanctions against Israel, uh, and it started in France, uh, uh, but but it's actually not just a French story because a group of activists in France that were uh, supporting BDS were uh, persecuted by the French government, uh, which uh, tried to prevent them from doing this, uh, from doing BDS activities and fine them. And they appealed to the European Human Rights Court, which uh, sits in uh, Strasbourg, which also happens to be in France, but it's a court for all of Europe, not just for France. Um, And this court ruled in June that uh, the French government has exceeded its authority, that the BDS movement is legal, that the BDS movement is not anti-Semitic, and that the French government has to compensate the activists with money for for not just for uh, charging them for uh, fines, but also uh, for uh, treating them poorly and discriminating against them. This is a very important ruling because that's a ruling that um, is, is is that this is a precedent that is much more uh, powerful than decisions of of specific courts or specific parliaments in Europe. Um, Now the French government decided not to appeal the court case. They decided to accept its ruling, but now the French government is trying to find a way to continue to uh, oppose the BDS movement and to try to criminalize it in other ways, uh, even though the the court case clearly says they're not allowed to do that. So we're going to see what's going to happen. But meanwhile, we also see things happening in Britain and in Germany. In Britain, uh, there's a very important ruling of the Supreme Court. That uh, ruled that the uh, British government decision to ban BDS from local authorities has been illegal. The British government wanted to, uh, or n- not wanted to, they, they made a statement that all uh, uh, local authorities would not be allowed to divest from Israeli companies or from international companies involved in the illegal Israeli occupation. Uh, and there was an appeal to the Supreme Court in Britain, um, basically saying, you know, Workers in these local authorities, they pay into their pensions. They have a right to decide that their pensions will not invest that money in companies that are involved in violating international law. The Supreme Court completely accepted that uh, um, appeal and ruled against uh, the decision of the government. And uh, more recently, you now uh, just uh, uh, in November, uh, a court in Germany uh, made a very important ruling as well. So. Um, in Germany, there is a parliament um, declaration, a non-binding declaration that also compares BDS with anti-Semitism, which I think is a very, very problematic thing uh, for several reasons. Maybe we can talk about, about that as well. But um, the city of Munich has uh, declared that any organization that has anything to do with BDS will not be allowed to use any public uh, spaces in the city of Munich. Uh, and will be banned from having uh, events or showing films or or all of that. Uh, and of course, the main people who were affected by this are Jews, um, critical leftist Jewish activists who wanted to speak about an occupation, about their own country, regardless of whether they support BDS or not. It really doesn't matter. The the Munich uh, municipality just decided to close the doors and not let them let these events happen. So. Local organizations have appealed to uh, the district court of uh, the city of Bavaria, the the state of Bavaria, where Munich uh, uh, is, and the court again declared that the BDS movement is legal. It is not anti-Semitic, and it is uh, forbidden to deny public spaces to people because of their political opinions. Now, I want to say, you know, when these courts are saying the BDS movement is not anti-Semitic. That's not to say that all of the people who support BDS are now exempt from uh, from being uh, uh, called anti-Semitic or being uh, um, maybe harboring racist thoughts towards Jews. Of course, every group of people has uh, um, racists among it. Uh, It would be very unusual and very surprising if if you could uh, find one specific group of people who say, oh, these people are are holy and have no, no racist thoughts amongst them. Uh, but, but the movement itself in, in terms of the content that it promotes, the statements that it puts on its website and uh, the demands it makes of the state of Israel and the means to, to make those demands, the kinds of boycott that it promotes, none of these things in itself is anti-Semitic. I want to get to that point again, actually a little bit later, um, particularly
0: because, you know, there's often the argument, uh, particularly the Congress resolution. I, and I think others have said this too that one of the reasons that they consider BDS to be anti-semitic is because it promotes the destruction of Israel. but uh, before we get to that, it, from what you've said just now it sounds like that actually that on the one hand within Israel uh, the BDS movement hasn't had that much success but um, on uh, on an international level that is in Europe at least um, it seems to have had some successes particularly with regard to the court decisions Now, What effect has all of this had within Israel? That is, uh, particularly, how has Pompeo's uh, anti-BDS policy been received within Israel, particularly in the media and in public discourse?
1: Well, uh, because uh, BDS did not make headlines in Israeli media this year so much, uh, the focus on, of the Israeli media was not so much on Pompeo's statements regarding BDS, but more about his statements about the, the illegal colonies in the West Bank and the and, uh, uh, Syrian Golan, where he said uh, basically that these uh, colonies are legal, according to the U.S. perspective. This is, of course, Uh, not acceptable to people who who follow international law, but the Trump administration decided to make its own laws. Uh, And um, he also promoted specifically one colony called Psagot, which is very famous for the wine that has been involved in several uh, court cases in in France and in Canada, uh, where where this company uh, tried to argue that it should be allowed to put the label made in Israel on the wine even though it is clearly not in Israel, but in the Occupied West Bank. And Pompeo decided to go to that particular vineyard in order to make a statement. So, so that certainly caught some attention in Israel. People know that this wine brand is very controversial. And uh, I think people were also a little bit surprised that Pompeo is promoting a specific company. Uh, but um, they were, uh, but, but, but uh, that was also in the same context of Trump giving, um, lift, lifting the restrictions from Jonathan Pollard, the uh, spy who was uh, convicted of treason in the United States and uh, imprisoned for many years. Um, and um, so, again, Jonathan Pollard is not specifically somebody uh, who's who, he, he now was allowed to, to travel to Israel by, because the restrictions against him were lifted. Um, It's not an Israeli national interest to have Jonathan Pollard travel to Israel. It's not an Israeli national interest to have Psagot wines um, making a bigger profit in Canada or in France, but it's something that um, got more attention in the news as as a symbolic gesture of Trump trying to say that he is 100% pro-Israel no matter what. but, but he's leaving, so uh, it, doesn't, uh, have a, it doesn't mean that much. So uh, because of this, I think uh, the, the way that uh, Israelis are talking about BDS is, is changing. It's also changing because there is a new minister. And uh, so when Netanyahu tried to uh, capitalize on the BDS movement by uh, appointing a minister, uh, a so-called BDS minister, Uh, That's not his official title, but that's how people referred to him. His official title was the uh, Minister uh, for Strategic Affairs, uh, Gil Adirdan, who has uh, made a big campaign about how he's going to fight the BDS movement. And over several years, it became clear that most of his fight against the BDS movement is the campaign about how he is going to fight it. It was uh, an advertisement campaign aimed mainly at Israeli Jews, telling them, don't worry, I'm going to use the Israeli Mossad, I'm going to use Israeli secret services and cyber warriors to fight against the BDS movement. Uh, but um, other than right wing politicians in Europe and in the United States who, who wanted to co- coordinate with Erdan and, and invite him as a guest of honor, uh, he didn't do much uh, in, in Europe or in the United States. Uh, now uh, he has been replaced partially because of internal political things in Israel uh, Netanyahu doesn't like um, up and coming politicians that uh, might might one day uh, try to replace him uh, so Erdan is sent to the UN uh, and uh, and the new minister Orit uh, Farkash-Cohen is from the blue and white party she is um, uh, so so from the party that not from the Likud party and uh, even though she's not openly saying that she completely disagrees with how Eldan managed the ministry before, it seems that her eff- efforts are now uh, focused on social media. So again, you see it in the Israeli media that uh, now the fight against BDS is happening on social media platforms. She pressured uh, Facebook to appoint an Israeli Uh, official to be a kind of censor on behalf of Facebook, and now Facebook is starting to clamp down on uh, posts that criticize the Zionist movement. So again, conflating Zionism with Judaism, taking down these posts if they're not pro-Zionist, and of course that's, uh, well, uh, a very very bad thing, mainly for Jews. Uh, It it hurts uh, Jews around the world much more than it hurts Palestinians.
0: Now, um, I mean, you, you mentioned uh, that, uh, that, of course, the, the Trump administration and, of course, Pompeo are completely kind of in agreement on this uh, policy. And I'm just wondering if you could make some comments on why do you think they're so intent in promoting uh, this kind of, you know, uh, anti-Zionism, anti-Semitism, and this very strong, extremely strong pro-Israeli policy? Uh, I mean, of course, there's been some speculation, and I don't know if this is part of it, that Pompeo might consider a run for the presidency in 2024, and that he's actually uh, solidifying his support among evangelical, among evangelical Christians, uh, to which he belongs. Uh, now, um, what do you think is the connection there? And uh, more generally, why do you think the Trump administration is so uh, gung-ho about pursuing this policy?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think they're looking for a common denominator that can put together right-wing American Jews like Sheldon Adelson, one of Trump's biggest donors, um, and the evangelical Christians, and even further right, uh, white supremacists like Richard Spencer. If you're looking for a denominator for these three groups, the only denominator, denominator that you can find, the common denominator, is Zionism. You have Sheldon Adelson, who uh, promotes Zionism or his version of extreme right Zionism that he supports with a lot of money, basically uh, convincing uh, American Jews to take free trips to Israel uh, where they are told that this is actually their country and they should uh, emigrate to Israel and and marry Israelis and and, uh, start families in Israel and so, so on. Then you have the evangelical Christians, which are a very powerful and, and big group. And, and uh, it's already been shown by, by Max Blumenthal, for example, that they have more money and, and make bigger donations to uh, the, the pro-Israeli lobby than the Jewish community in the United States, much, much more. Um, because in their theology, Zionism is a very important part of their, of their evangelical beliefs. Uh, they see the, the so-called return of Jews to their homelands as part of the signs of the end time and something that will bring the the second coming of Christ. Um, And this theological um, interpretation is something that, uh, I mean, if you you follow that interpretation to its end and what these uh, uh, reverends are saying, it's pretty horrible. In the end, uh, Jews are either killed or um, have one last chance to chance to convert to Christianity. So uh, Jews tend to be very skeptical about this kind of support from the evangelical community. Uh, but you have there people like Reverend John Hagee, a big supporter of Trump, who has followed Trump's campaign, uh, Trump's presidency very closely and said uh, and, and published these videos saying how wonderful it is that Trump moved the embassy to Jerusalem and so on. And, and John Hagee is also the Reverend who said that Hitler was doing God's work because he concentrated... Jews in Israel, um, a statement which, which indeed is, is horrifying to, to Jew, for Jews to hear, but it's part of his theology. And, and then you go all the way to Richard Spencer, the new Nazi, uh, who said, um, I'm also a kind of Zionist, echoing Eichmann, I don't know if he did that on purpose, by saying, I also think Jews should go to Israel. I support Sheldon Adelson's work to, to send the Jews to Israel. And I also agree with this idea to create a state only for people who share the identity of the state. So if Jews get to have their Jewish state in Israel, we should have a white state in, in, the, in the US. So he calls himself a white Zionist. Um, so if you wanna create a a denomination a common denominator of these different groups, then you need to legitimize Zionism. And you need to, to legitimize the most extreme form of Zionism And by uh, conflating anti-Zionism with anti-Semitism, you're doing just that. And I think that's the reason they're doing it.
0: Now, um, of course, you know, the Trump administration, we presume, is on its way out. Uh, How do you think that the incoming Biden administration will deal with this BDS issue? As I mentioned earlier, the vast majority of Democrats in Congress actually support exactly this uh, equation of BDS uh, with anti-Semitism. Um, but there is a progressive wing within the party that has been resisting this, particularly, of course, the uh, progressive uh, Muslim members of the House of Representatives, Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar. But um, how do you think uh, Biden, I mean, what? I mean, we've got some indication now who he's appointed, Antony Blinken is supposed to be the second new secretary of state. Any ideas as to how he might deal uh, with this or Biden in general?
1: Well, uh, I'm not your uh, uh, best guest to talk about internal uh, U.S. politics, uh, but I do see that uh, the way that the Israeli media is is following this story and and how they're interpreting it, there's now a lot of anger in Israel against Netanyahu because they're saying Netanyahu formed this unholy alliance with Trump that turned the issue of Israel-Palestine into a highly partisan issue. Uh, so even if Biden tries to be as pro-Israel as as um, Trump, and he has been actually, even even under Obama, uh, when when he was the vice president, uh, Biden took a position even more pro-Israel than Obama and tried to to get Obama even more uh, to to uh, Israel side, uh, but. It's not just about what he wants. It's also about what the party wants. Like you said, there is a progressive wing of the party now, which is a very uh, powerful wing of the party. They cannot just be ignored and thrown aside. Uh, And um, I think Biden cannot get away with copying the policies of Trump. He has to show that he's taking a new direction. And now Netanyahu is accused uh, by Israelis, look what you did. You have turned yourself into an enemy of the Democratic Party. Uh, and uh, this is, is something that Netanyahu is now uh, trying to fend off and say, no, no, I've always been also an ally of the Democratic Party, but it's not exactly true. Uh, he has gone into a fight with with Obama uh, during the Obama years, and now and, and during the and, and he banned two Congresswomen, the two that you've mentioned, Ilhan Omar and uh, Rashida Tlaib, from entering Israel. So I don't think that the Democratic Party can just say, oh, well, so you're banning our, our party members from entering your country, but we're going to still support you. Uh, and of course, it's not just them, it's also Bernie Sanders uh, who said that the aid, uh, the USA to Israel should be made conditional. And that statement drew a lot of support from within the Democratic Party. And uh, so, so that's also very important. And I also find maybe a, a glimmer of hope in the fact that Biden uh, is now making a big deal of his background, of of his history of opposing apartheid in South Africa. And again, it doesn't matter how genuine that story really is. What matters is that it's part of his discourse now to say, I have opposed apartheid in South Africa. Uh, and now it is beyond question that there is Apartheid in Israel-Palestine. The Israeli government is is openly saying it. They're just using the Hebrew word instead of the Afrikaans word. They don't call it apartheid. They call it hafrada. But but this is the translation of the word apartheid. Um, the the new law of the nation, uh, or, or uh, the official name is the Nation-State Law, which was approved in July two thousand, uh, uh, legislated July two thousand eighteen uh, in Israel, is a law that simply takes parts of the definition of apartheid, the Rome definition that was published in 1973, and it makes it into official law in Israel. Not that this is a new policy in Israel, but now they, they put it in the law book so that nobody will have doubt about it anymore. Uh, so I think that's going to put Biden in a in a serious um, uh, spot. It will be very difficult for him to say apartheid was wrong for South Africa, but it's okay for Israel. Yeah.
0: Wow, very fascinating developments. Um, I think we're going to leave it there for now, though. Um, I was speaking to Sheer Hever, board member of the German organization Jewish Voice for Just Peace in Middle East. Thanks again, Sheer, for having joined me today. Thank you, Greg. And thanks to our listeners for having tuned in. I'm Greg Wilpert, signing off. Until next time.